Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Hope you've had a good week. I've finally moved house and I'm starting to get back to a sense of normality. So today I had a request from Andrea in the Members Academy and she asked me for some tips about what to do when you hit a plateau in your learning. So a plateau is a great word for task one academic writing. Uh, you know when the, the graph goes up and it either peaks and goes straight down again or it stabilizes, it levels off and that is the plateau phase and it happens all the time when you're learning languages for example that you get really good at the start you learn quickly you make progress and suddenly you just feel like you're not making any progress at all so i've done a heck of a lot of research on this i've got about 10 pages of um, stuff i've found um, from research articles that i'm going to try to condense into this podcast um, I might need to break it up. I'll see how it goes. Um, remember, my aim is that I do the work for you to save you time so that you can focus on making as fast progress as you possibly can. So I do the work for you, the background work. All you need to do is apply it. And a lot of that comes out in the advice that I've read um, relating to this issue. So what I'm trying to do is to take out the most important points and the things I feel you can work on in relation to IELTS and how you can do it. So it's a bit different today's podcast, um, but my my... Members in the Members Academy um, can request any kind of help that they want. So by doing this, I hope I'm responding to individual requests that will make a difference. So what did I find? Well, first of all, I'm going to start with five reasons why um, you have reached a plateau, if you think you have, and then look at some of the tips I've read about, which I think are the best tips. There are hundreds of tips there, but I've chosen about five of the things I think you can do in relation to IELTS. Now, the problem with IELTS is it's so difficult to measure your progress. Um, I teach IELTS on a daily basis. I see some students who work so hard and Friday we do the reading test, same score. And I, I totally understand how deeply frustrating this is. But there's a kind of cycle. So the reading test, as you know, has lots of different topics. I identify them as 28, sorry, 28 different topics. So it might take you 28 different practice tests before you've kind of covered each topic and then you might find one, oh, I've done this one before and it will be easier. So although IELTS in theory is a very reliable test, meaning it really tests what your level is, so many factors can 
disrupt that score as you know. I'm sure a lot of you have taken the test and maybe once you got seven in reading but six in listening and then the next time it was the other way round. And the same goes, you know, on a good day, you might get a writing topic, you've got plenty of things to talk about, you've got great vocabulary related to that topic, and you get a seven, but the next time you get a 6.5. You know how it is. This is how IELTS is, and we have to deal with it. My way of dealing with that is to make sure you've covered all of those 28 topics from every angle, from reading, listening, speaking and writing. And I truly believe that all of those things are integrated, that you can't separate one from the other. So very often people say, can I just do your writing course? Well, the writing course needs the vocabulary from the vocabulary course, which comes from the real readings that you do and so on. So I think, you know, developing your skills all around, you can't just focus on one skill and isolate it. You need to be continually building your your general skills. And people say, but that's what I'm doing. Okay, great. So let's have a look in more detail at what happens at the plateau stage. And I read one really good example um, uh, you know, I compare everything to running, to training, like a physical skill. Um, if you're running a marathon, you might feel great at the start. But of course, the longer you go, the further you go, you get tired. And it's the same with language learning. And there's lots of things we can do to help you with that. So the main key text, I would say, is written by Professor Jack Richards and he wrote a very, very interesting and informative uh, text which you can get online. I'll put all of these links on my website and it's called Moving Beyond the Plateau. So he identifies five reasons why this happens and I'm sure you will recognise some of these. You might think these are obvious but he has a, a key technique um, to help you solve each problem. The first one, he says, is that there's a gap between your receptive and your productive competence. So receptive skills, meaning the ones you receive, so the listening and the reading, they tend to be easier because you're just understanding, whereas the productive skills, the writing and speaking, of course, more difficult because you're producing things. Um, and sometimes there's a gap between those two and um, students, you might feel that you're, you're making good progress in listening and reading, but you still feel frustrated maybe when it comes to speaking. So what he says about this is that in the past, we always thought or researchers always thought that um, that, that your productive skills would naturally benefit from comprehension skills. But apparently that is no longer the case or the research has been done which shows that that is actually not true. So he suggests two methods of reducing this gap and one he calls noticing. Um, 
the noticing hypothesis. So all this is really good for your listening as well. Again, the vocabulary that you're getting from this podcast, the, the word hypothesis, it's somebody's theory backed up by some research. So the first theory is all about noticing. And this is something I do in class just all the time. I just ask students to notice things and maybe possibly they don't realize possibly how important this is. I might say, why is it the or not a, for example, for articles? Because the more you notice things, the more the rules start to make sense. Um, So there's this noticing hypothesis. um, And he, Richard Schmidt, Schmidt, who wrote this, says that we won't learn anything from input unless we notice something about the input. So you can listen to me talking in my podcast or you can read, but unless you notice things from it, then you won't make any progress. So we can talk about things you can notice later, but it's one huge factor that you have to actively work on. You have to notice things. Why does she say you have to, for example, not you must? Things like that. Um, And that really spurs your language learning on. Um, The second hypothesis he calls the output hypothesis. So again, there's loads of details on this. I'm just skimming through it. But the output hypothesis is... Hang on, let me turn the paper. Okay, so this is Swain. And this is all about um, how your, what you output, what you produce, um, has to be carefully managed um, by the teacher. Um, the teacher has to ensure that the students are stre- being stretched, that they're constantly stretching what they produce. But in terms of its relevance to IELTS, if you don't have a teacher and you're studying by yourself, um, it's all about automaticity through practice so becoming automatic so what I do a lot of is just getting students to repeat things with real examples if you look at my Instagram uh, posts they're all about real examples where you're repeating the same thing um, even if it's simple until it becomes automatic Um, and also part of that um, is highlighting gaps in your knowledge so you're realizing that what you're saying possibly might not be the right way of saying it so it's again it's this noticing what you're saying maybe comparing it to how somebody else might say it and that starts to restructure your speaking apparently so Things that you can do for IELTS that I always recommend is recording yourself. Um, So, you know, my speaking challenges, your 30-day speaking challenges, you record yourself for one minute, you listen to yourself, you notice things. Ideally, if you could get somebody to listen to it as well and help you. So little by little, you're noticing patterns coming up where maybe there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And that's all about goals we'll talk about later. So number one, that was his main point. The difference between producing language and receiving it 
is that you have to notice things and notice the difference between what you're producing and what you want to produce. The second one is a bit more simple, I think, but very relevant to IELTS. He says, fluency may have progressed at the expense of complexity. So, you know, I talk a lot about complex sentences. I've got a whole blog about how to make your language more complex. And here it is, a very good example, that possibly your fluency might be great. Um, you know, you're very communicative. You have no problem getting your message across. Everybody understands you. And that has perhaps led you to think that's fine and I'm happy with that and that is fine you know it depends on what your goal is if that's you're living in a place where you need to get your message across easily uh, make friends fine and you're happy with that great but if you're going higher for a score for a higher score then you need to think not only about your fluency but also about your complexity I and mean, that's difficult to develop and he says um students may not have acquired more sophisticated language patterns and usage characteristics of more advanced second language users. So, yes, it's the, all the things about we talk about making your language more complex. <sighs> Again, that requires you to be sure that you understand what complex is. So I always use third conditional for a, an example compared to second conditional, that you are using third conditional confidently, you've repeated it enough times, so it's automatic, you don't have to think about it, you've heard it in the right context, you're repeating patterns that you've heard other people say, and that is a first step to sounding more natural, which we'll come to later. So that was number two, complexity. <laughs> I'm only on number three and I've still got 10 pages to go. Right, so number three is my um, pet project, which is vocabulary. And I'm really happy to see that he totally confirms everything I say about vocabulary. Um, so he says, you know, you get to intermediate level um, and you might have a receptive vocabulary of about 5,000 to 6,000 words. So those are words that you understand. But that's when you're ready to push further to advanced. So you already need five to 6,000 words before you're ready to get to the next kind of level. And he says the problem is um, once learners reach the intermediate level, they often fail to make sufficient gains in their vocabulary knowledge. And he studied this and the, the findings are quite astonishing, really, that once you get to intermediate, you, you, you kind of stall. You just stop learning new words. Um, and pushing and pushing yourself to learn more words is the thing which will push you above your plateau. Um, he's got lots of facts and figures about this and also talks a lot about knowing a word. And again, if you go to my 28 Days of Vocabulary blog, I talk a lot about what it is to know a word. So it just doesn't just mean the meaning. Um, you know, there's lots of things, you know, what's the difference between a cup and a mug? You know, those kind of difference between words. Um, so you're not just using cup, you mug, you know, it's more 
complex because you know the difference. Um, things like similar words, homonyms, synonyms. Um, do you know what the difference is between, um, you know, a, f a file, for example, the different meanings of file um, as a tool or a paper file? And all of these, I'm going through them really quickly. Style, register, dialect, levels of formality, um, false friends even, how they translate. Um, so chunks of languages he talks about multi-word verbs phrasal verbs idioms collocations lexical phrases all of those are things that i deal with a lot um in the vocabulary course for example um every word that i have as a keyword comes with a collocation so not just learning about pollution but also how do you say do you say heavy pollution or strong pollution, severe pollution? Which one do you say? And how do you use that in a sentence? So this is absolutely essential, he says, to getting to the next level. And then, he says, one of the key problems in helping learners improve their vocabulary is finding effective ways to help them remember words they have encountered. How can we help learners move words from short-term to long-term memory. So you might see a word and remember it, but how does it stick? And he says one thing is to store them in sets, so sets that are related in some way together, which I do in the vocabulary course. You get 10 words all related to that set, plus extra ones, of course. And then he says the way they're organised um, and more frequently a word is encountered, the easier it is to remember. Um, so things like Quizlet, which I've got for each set. Um, and then throughout the course, you, you review them because you see I've, I throw in the same words later on to check them, blah, blah, blah. And then helping learners develop their own approaches to vocabulary learning is also an important goal at advanced levels so that learners can deal with new words they encounter in independent learning. So again, that's all dealt with the whole strategies of how to learn a word, how to use a dictionary, um, will all go towards this learning new words, using them and retaining them, keeping them so that you can use them automatically and produce them automatically. That, that's all built in to everything I do in the course. Um, number four, he says, language production may be okay, but often lacks the characteristics of natural speech. Learners' English may be fluent and grammatical, but sounds too formal or too bookish. Now, bookish, what a great word. This I find all the time when people are high level and I think, well, why are they not getting a seven, for example? The reason is probably um, the other day I did an online uh, speaking mock and the lady was saying, for example, um, this my job requires me to blah, blah, blah. So requires me to is very formal. I would just say I have to. Um, I have to blah, blah, blah in my job. So Fortunately, she got her score today and she did get the seven in speaking. And I think that really made a difference. But again, it's being aware um, of words that you're using that are fine. You know they're correct. Um, 
but they're not natural English. And it's very simple to really simple to change that, especially if you do some kind of mock speaking test, because very often you will be asked the same questions like about your job or your studies. So that will show me that there are words you can easily change and remember and then use them in the test so that you sound a bit more natural and the examiner's thinking, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yes, and so this whole thing about multi-word chunks comes in here as well. Um, he's got a list of really interesting ones, just throwing a few things in, like, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and so instead of learning those unnatural phrases like, um, oh, that is a difficult question, um, which some teachers say you should use, but don't. They sound really unnatural. The natural things are, if you know what I mean, you see what I'm saying, yeah, I get your point. Those kind of chunks without repeating each word individually. So that was number four, being too formal or too bookish. But number five, this is the last one on his list. Um, he says that there are persistent fossilized language errors. Now, fossil fuels, you know, I always talk about, about IELTS. Fossil fuels are ones which have come from dinosaurs, basically, gas, oil and coal. Um, but fossilized errors means that they've kind of stuck from what you learnt in school, I guess, or things that nobody's corrected, so you've thought was okay, or things you kind of think, oh, I always make that mistake. I know it's a mistake, but I keep doing it. So these are fossilized errors. I think these are really hard to deal with because um, I actually um, had a job once where I was teaching a class very low level, um, lovely class, <laughs> but I spent all my time correcting the S at the end, just I go, he goes. They'd always say he go, every different nationality. And I thought, I, I gave up on it. I have to say, I think I gave up and just moved on. Maybe that was the right thing to do because I just thought, well, what does it take to remember the S? I know it's one of those little funny English things where it makes sense. He go, I go, he go, uh, they go, we go. But I spent a lot of time saying, no, he goes. <laughs> and um, it's just one of those things that, that, that it was very difficult for them to remember that. And um, so this is fossilized language. And if you know that you make the mistake, what can you do about it? Again, it's noticing the difference between what you do and also how much you want to change it, he talks about here. Um, you know, things like motivation. Does it matter if you drop the S? Um, probably not in everyday life. Um, but again, pushing yourself above that level means knowing what kind of very typical errors you're making um, and, and how you can address that. What's the best way for you to do that? OK, so so that was I know that was long, but that was the five points that this particular article mentioned. And I've looked at a few other articles just 
to add a few more things. So there's a nice one on fluentu.com. Again, I will put these when I put it on my website. Um, and they've got five different reasons. So the first reason they say is you've already met your goals. You've kind of done enough to do what you want to do. Um, then they say learning will naturally pause. I'm not sure if this applies to you because if you're doing IELTS, I guess you're still working towards a goal. But this one says you don't have, maybe number two is you don't have any goals. You're not really clear where you want to be and not having goals can halt language learning progress. So again, it's this comparison about where you are now and what you're trying to achieve and you have to be clear about what that difference is so that you can work on it. They say also maybe you're stuck on a loop doing the same thing all the time. If you keep doing the same thing, you'll keep getting the same results. Um, you might also lack confidence um, getting more frustrated as you don't see progress. And then finally, um, there's a natural slowdown. Everybody does it. There's, it's part of life. You know, you can't keep getting better, I guess. Um, unless, you know, it's like running. I, you know, yeah, I, I didn't get any better after a point, but that's age and fitness and lifestyle, you know. Unless you radically change those, you're not going to get any better. So I'm going to pause there and look forward now to another thing I found which has eight ways to get unstuck and back in the game. Okay so let's look at some of those solutions now. Um, this is also from fluentu.com um, and they've got eight ways to get unstuck and back in the game. So the first one is to set clear goals. We mentioned that before, but they specify that you should be realistic. You can't become fluent in a week and don't set yourself up for failure. Um, yes, so setting goals. The goal could be that you might resolve to learn a new set of vocabulary words um, or learn a particular grammar structure like third conditional um, so so that's up to you depending on what you feel is your weakness number two is something I believe in very much is to use authentic material um, yeah authentic meaning real texts and stuff but I think with IELTS I think you should really focus on real IELTS texts, if you see what I mean, because they are real texts. They are from real published articles. Uh, the one I did last week about the house burning down, if you go onto Wikipedia, you can find the exact, basically the exact same story. So authentic material, yes, spend your time reading. There are tons of IELTS materials online. Um, and according to this article, consuming more authentic material will push you towards fluency. So that's a very, very important part of my vocab course, for example. So on each day you learn the vocab, but you also have to do uh, a reading related to that and a listening, at least one, um, so that you're reviewing it, seeing it in context. It's becoming automatic. Number three is an interesting suggestion. It says you should try new methods. 
Um, so they suggest, and again, I truly believe in this, is you might possibly be learning English through your own language, if you see what I mean. So you might be French, for example, and you're doing an English course where the books um, explain everything in French. That's fine. But to get to the higher level, you should be doing like everything in English. It's called immersion. So by listening to me talking now, you're learning all about IELTS using English. Um, so that, if you're doing this now, you're doing the right thing because you're it hits so many of those um, criteria that we are listening to English, we're thinking in English, we're talking about English, all in English. So that immersion is something which will really, really help you. But the other alternative is they're saying just do a course in English. It doesn't have to be um, a course about English. So, you know, you can get these free courses on Udemy or Coursera and it could be a maths course or a science course. But by doing that, you're learning the language of science, which will help you, of course, with the IELTS subject when they use science or geography or archaeology or any of those. Um, and also, all of my courses, everything, of course, is in English. So again, you're having that rep repetition, repetitive nature of, of hearing the sounds and the vocabulary and the grammar while also studying for the course. So that, they say, is a great way. Number four, focus on problem areas. Well, we've talked a little bit about that. Uh, suggest you could do a few more grammar tests online. Just do a few more tests. Um, again, that's just test practice. And yeah, fine. Number five, they repeat again, learn more vocabulary. And I'm going to use this quote. They say, limited vocabulary is one of the main hurdles that keeps intermediate learners stuck in the plateau phase. I can't repeat that enough. Um, and he says, while an intermediate learner usually knows the most common words, the depth and breadth of their vocabulary is usually lacking. To push away from the plateau, learning vocabulary is essential. And so it gives suggestions. It says Quizlet. It says you can choose vocabulary sets by considering what words your vocabulary lacks. And that's Quizlet. You can find mine all. Um, if you go to Quizlet, you'll, you'll find, say, Fiona Wattam, and you'll find it and the links are on my website. Now, number six, a bit more tricky. It says interact with native speakers. How can we do that? Well, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? But these days there's quite a lot of stuff online. Um, they put a few links in here. There's a Skype language exchange. Find a language exchange partner. Uh, there's a thing called Talk Abroad conversation exchange. So there are a few opportunities there to interact with native speakers, it says, although I don't like that word native speakers. I don't think you have to be a native speaker to um, excel um, and to practice. Anyway, forget that. I don't like that term. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it says once you start speaking your target language, 
your skill and confidence will propel you past the plateau. And number seven is quite similar. It says build confidence with other learners. Um, I really believe in a language learning community, which could be, you know, like my closed Facebook group, for example, where everybody's in the same boat. Um, so important for accountability, for people to, you know, let off steam, if you want, if you're feeling frustrated. Today, for example, one of my students said about this plateau thing, and another lady in the group, hi Eva, who's a health and mindset coach, um, was able to say, you know, there's, there's, there is the mindset issue. Once you get so frustrated, then you get anxious, you get stressed, and that has a terrible impact on your performance. So um, we've talked a lot about that in the group and people are able to say how they feel, share their tips. Um, and it's just a really good place to be so you feel like you're not alone. And again, through doing that, you'll be picking up so much by people answering questions, by me answering questions, asking questions, then you'll be noticing things. Um, for example, I said once, oh, you poor thing. And one of my members said, really, is this polite to say this? And they learnt that poor doesn't mean you don't have money. It means I sympathise with you. So just that everyday uh, contact with uh, other speakers of English will really push you past where you are now and hopefully inspire you to carry on especially when you see their scores <laughs> um right and so number eight uh it says don't get discouraged remember how far you've come and just keep going again you'll see people in your community that have struggled and then the day they get the result they can move on they're free because they didn't give up um, I think that's really, really important. Okay, finally, those are the eight things, but then finally I've picked up a few more tips. This one is from teachenglish.org. Um, just confirms what we've said. Uh, one thing he said was more exposure to authentic language. So all of those things um, that I always post, you know, the useful YouTube videos that go with each topic. Um, again, I've put them all in one place for you so you don't waste time looking for them. But you definitely need to be looking for appropriate authentic language, not just any authentic language. So if you go to my website now and look at writing and reading links, I've put all those things in one place so you can find them very easily. Um, and he agrees, he says, in my humble opinion, reaching B2 level for a learner means to focus more on vocabulary and patterns than on grammar. So grammar is a very limited um, part of learning English. Vocabulary is almost, um, well, it's extensive. Where do you stop learning vocabulary? And then finally, this is um, something I think Delara from my group found for us, um, or Andrea. Uh, it's called Better at English, and they've got a six-step English fluency system, um, which is great. And it's all about kind of studying by yourself. So you don't always need somebody to, to talk to. You can record yourself, as we've said before, um, listen to yourself. 
and they've got a system that they call starter system um hang on select an interesting topic test your fluency analyze your language gaps write things you need to learn to be able to speak more fluently about your topic research the language you need train your brain and repeat the process yeah so it's it says what we've already said but i think something i liked about them what well, i agreed with them he said they love there's loads of these free resources but relying on free has its drawbacks it costs a lot of time and energy to search for collect and organize all the information you need so again oh this is i talky yes i agree with that get somebody like me to do it for you all in one place save yourself the time Okay, that is it. Hang on, I'm on paper 10. Let's just have a look. Oh, they just mentioned something called rhinospike.com where you can get somebody to say what you want to say and record it. Um, and again, that's dealing with the gap between what you're saying and what uh, an advanced speaker would say. No, I'm going to stop there. I think that's quite enough. Okay, um, when I've got everything sorted, I will put all of these links on my website and um, please let me know if you have any tips or anything that you found made a huge difference to your plateau and um, let me know if you have any requests because I'm very happy to answer them. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening to this long episode and good luck with your learning and speak to you soon. Bye-bye.